Well, good morning. It's lovely to be with you. Thank you for the welcome. I suspect that I am here because Gordon Thompson has passed my name on. He seems to have been doing that once or twice lately. Now, if you know Gordon, you will quickly realize I am not another Gordon Thompson. You'll know that because of my accent. Um, I'm uh, an English man. I hope that doesn't cause any serious difficulties here this morning. Uh, I was born just outside the city of York in a very small village. My folk were farming uh, people. They, They were church attending people. But it wasn't until I was 13 when two faith mission evangelists came to our village and preached the gospel that my mum first of all trusted the Lord. And as a result of the change that my dad saw in my mum's life, about six or eight weeks later, he trusted the Lord as well. And that was my introduction to the gospel. I'd been brought up to believe I was a Christian, but, but that was just a lifestyle uh, and... Uh, I came to realize that I needed to become a Christian. I was a sinner. I wasn't saved. And when I was 17, uh, the Lord uh, dealt with me when I was at a young people's house party. Mum and dad had sent me to a bit. Well, encouraged me to go to, I suppose, at that age rather than sent me. Uh, but, but God spoke to me that week in a really uh, direct way. I came under real conviction of my sin. And I went back after a a breakfast table talk one morning, back to the dormitory bedroom, got down beside the bed and asked the Lord to come into my life. And I wondered, could God really have saved me? And I was sitting there by the bedside thinking, could God have saved me? Uh, And uh, the verse came to mind that if we confess with our, uh, believe with our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we shall be saved. And at that moment, the bedroom door opened and another guy walked in. And um, I I looked up at him and I said, Lawrence, I've just asked Jesus to become my saviour. And Lawrence, a guy I'd only met that week, uh, spun around on his heel, went out to the door, the door slammed behind him. Because I didn't realise, I thought everybody else there was Christians, but he wasn't. Um, And Andy was embarrassed by what I had to say, but God brought that witness to my heart in that moment. I was saved. And I knew I was saved. And uh, well, that's the start of a long story. Um, so I work with the Faith Mission. I'm based in Edinburgh. Uh, I'm the general director of the Faith Mission. That means I spend a lot of time in an office in our headquarters. Uh, I've been with the Faith Mission since I was 20. And that's a long time ago. And I'm not going to tell you how long or else you know how old I am. Um, but I will tell you that I went into Bible college in the late 1970s, and so that'll give you a little bit of an idea. And so that's, that's a potted history. We appreciate uh, your uh, fellowship and your interest in the work of the mission. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to come and share with you this morning. And we're going to turn to uh, Habakkuk. Chapter 3. Now, if you're trying to work out where Habakkuk is, it's one of the minor prophets uh, just after uh, the book of Nahum, just before the book of Zephaniah, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, And so that might help you to to find it there. We're going to read a couple of verses from the beginning of chapter 3, and then we're going to jump down to verse 16 uh, and then read through to the end of the chapter. Habakkuk chapter 3, 
verses 1 and 2 and then verse 16. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigniath. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse 16. When I heard, my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up on the people, he will invade them with his troops. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills. Amen. The Lord bless that portion of his word. Let's bow for a moment of prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity of fellowship this morning. We thank you for uh, the reality of your presence amongst us. We thank you that as we turn to your word, it is a living word. Lord, it's your word to our hearts. It's relevant to us today. And we ask that as we look at it, you'll take your word, apply it by your Holy Spirit to our lives at the point of our need. Help us to know today that we've heard the voice of God. Do us good for your glory's sake. Have your way amongst us, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Now, (coughs) Habakkuk ministered around about 600 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came uh, into the world. It was probably during the reign of Jehoiakim. Prior to Jehoiakim had been Josiah, and under Josiah there had been a revival in the land of Israel, and uh, the people had turned back to begin to acknowledge the uh, word of God again, to begin to worship him truly uh, in the the temple. They got rid of the high places, they got rid of Baal and Ashtoreth worship, and there had been a real turning back to God. But those days were past, uh, and now uh, the the, uh, licentiousness of Baal and Ashtoreth worship were rampant in the land of Israel again and that, that's, the, that's the kind of background to when uh, Habakkuk was, was prophesying. Now Richard Dehan has said in regard to Habakkuk that he was a true patriot. He was deeply distressed by the moral and spiritual conditions around about him. He loved his nation Uh, And he knew that it was moving ever closer to the precipice of destruction by continuing to break the laws of God. Therefore, two anguished cries uh, burst from Habakkuk's lips. In chapter 1 and verse 2, the cry of, How long, O Lord? 
shall I cry, and you will not hear. Even cry to you violence, and you will not save. Now, Habakkuk's praying that God will break into the nation, that God will come and vindicate his name, that God will do something to turn uh, the land back to himself again. But nothing seems to be happening. And he's saying, how long, O Lord, how long do we need to pray? How long do we need to cry? How long do we need to wait? How long do we need to look to you? But nothing happens. You know, sometimes we can feel that we're in that kind of a situation as well. When we look out on our land today, uh, we we look back to a time when when this nation honoured the word of God and followed the precepts and the principles of the law of God. But, But we're far from that today. And we cry, 70 years since the last revival touched our nation. And we cry, God, when will you visit us again? But nothing seems to happen. Well, Habakkuk heard from God. God uh, said to uh, Habakkuk uh, in verse 5, Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astonished, for I will work a work in your days which you would not have believed, though it were told you, for I am raising up the Chaldeans. Chapter 1 and verse 5. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were a godless nation. A barbaric people. They had an immoral lifestyle. They were covetous. Uh, they were insatiable in their greed uh, for material things and what they could uh, gather to themselves. And God said, I'm raising them up as an instrument of judgment upon the nation of Israel. Uh, and so then Habakkuk has a second cry. Not, how long, O Lord? But why? Why, O Lord? Why the Chaldeans? He's perplexed. He's uh, incredulous. How could God choose to use these people to work among his people? He's baffled. This does not make sense. It says in in chapter uh, 2, sorry, uh, chapter 1 and verse... 12, uh, you're everlasting, you're holy, but you've appointed them to judgment, surely not us, but they're the nations that ought to be knowing something of your judgment, you're pure, you don't look down upon iniquity, how can you look at them and use them uh, to bring some kind of justice or, or movement amongst your people, why those who deal treacherously? And in chapter 2, God uh, speaks again uh, and he tells Habakkuk to watch uh, and uh, uh, see what God is going to do. And then in verse 2 of chapter 2, he says, the Lord answered me. Uh, He told me to record the reply and await the the fulfillment. Uh, And... um, uh, and, and so the Lord says, although the vision tarries, wait for it. It will surely come. It's going to come to pass. And so we come to the chapter that we're going to mainly focus on um, th- this morning. And we, we, we break in. We, we're going to look at verses 16 uh, through to the end of the chapter mainly. We, so we break in at that point. Um, Benjamin Franklin said of these verses, 16 through to 19, uh, when he was a penitentiary in, in France, an ambassador for, for uh, America to France, uh, he, he, he 
uh, spoke of this passage and, and he was meeting amongst people who were sceptical of the things of God and critical of the things of God, philosophers. He wasn't a Christian himself, but he reverenced the word of God. He saw it as being significant. And when people were pulling it to pieces, what one evening he came to this meeting and he read these verses and the, and the folk said, that, that is amazing. Where are those verses found? Where did you find that poetry? And he said, that is from uh, the Bible. That is from the word of God. Uh, now, in a sense, Habakkuk uh, is where the rubber hits the road. The word Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk means to embrace or to cling to. Uh, and so this is what we find that Habakkuk is doing as he comes to the end uh, of his prophecy here. He's resting on uh, the facts, not on feelings. The, the fact of uh, God's sovereignty, the fact of God's purposes being outworked, and the fact of God's faithfulness. He abides faithful. He cannot be anything else. And he's looking back to all that he said in chapters 1 and 2 as he, as he starts to think now of this in chapter 3. And so this, this is a devotion that we see coming from Habakkuk rather than mere dogma, or mere going through rituals. Uh, it's dependence on God uh, despite disaster. It's rest in the midst of turmoil or, or to quote uh, a popular popular older hymn it is faith in the night as well as in the day it's easy to sing uh, the, the words of uh, as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you you alone are my heart's desire it's easy to sing those kind of words when everything is going okay it's another thing to be there in your heart when things don't seem to be going as we would like them to go but here we see Habakkuk with faith where rubber hits the road, where the reality of everyday life affects our walk with God and how we relate to him. Uh, and so the, there's three key things that I uh, believe we see in this uh, chapter that enable us to see why Habakkuk could rejoice in the Lord even though so much was going on around about him, the, the desperate need of the land, the fact that God was, said he was going to bring judgment and bring it, bring it from a barbaric nation. Uh, and he's saying, Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. Why? But, but he can yet rejoice in the Lord. So there are three things. The first is uh, that he has uh, embraced the authority of God's word. In, in uh, chapter 3 uh, and verse 2, uh, he says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. In, in verse 16, he says, When I heard, when I heard that which you have said you are going to do, when I've heard your speech, I trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. Isaiah speaks of trembling at the word of God. In, in chapter 66 and verse 2, he, he, uh, Isaiah says, But on this one I will, will I look. 
the Lord speaking, on him who is of a poor and contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Verse 6 of the same chapter, hear the word of God, you who tremble at his word. When I was a student in Bible college all those years ago in the late 1970s, uh, we had an assistant to the principal. He'd worked alongside Duncan Campbell. I'm sure that name is familiar to you, Duncan Campbell, God used in the Hebridean revival. Uh, but but um, Andrew Woolsey was speaking to us at our Friday morning prayer meeting. Back then and still now in the Bible College, Friday morning is mainly given to prayer. Uh, and uh, Andrew was speaking at that Friday morning prayer meeting. Uh, and he may have been speaking from Isaiah chapter 66. I'm I'm not certain. He may have been speaking from Habakkuk chapter 3. But, but he certainly spoke about trembling at the word of God. And then he looked at uh, the student congregation, student body that were sitting there. Uh, and, and it's almost as though his eyes pierced us as he looked around at us all. And he said, when did you last tremble at the word of God. When did you last sense God was speaking to you in such an authoritative, direct way into your own heart and life that you trembled at the sense of his presence, at what God was saying, at how God was working in your heart and life? Well, why did Habakkuk tremble? He trembled because he'd been reminded of the Lord's omnipotence. And so in verse 2 he says, O Lord, O Lord Sovereign, Jehovah, O Lord, I have heard. And then he says again, O Lord, Jehovah, Sovereign God, revive your work. In chapter 2 and verse 2 he speaks about the Lord. He says, the Lord, the Sovereign God answered me. In verse 13 he said it is not of the Lord of hosts. In verse 14 the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 16 the cup of the Lord's righteousness. uh, Righteous hand will be turned against you. In verse 20 but the Lord is in his holy temple. He's been reminded of the omnipotence of the Lord, he's been reminded of the omnipresence of the Lord uh, that the earth will be filled with the fullness of the glory of the Lord he has said, he's been reminded of the omnipresence of the, as sorry, the omnipresence of the Lord, the omniscience of the Lord, it, it, the all knowingness, God knows about his people, he knows about what's going on in the land, he knows what he's going to do to address all of that he, he, he's been reminded of the uh, fact that God said um, sorry I turned over two pages he was reminded of the Lord's holiness you are from everlasting O Lord you are my God my holy one Uh, the Lord's righteous judgment uh, the Lord's eternal purposes for the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it will speak it will not lie though it tarries wait for it it will surely come you see he's Grasp the authority of God's word. And in doing so, he, he recognizes the, that the purposes of God are steadfast. 
that the plans of God are secure and that the promises of God are absolutely certain. And so all of this is going on. The, the, the background of, uh, of uh, people having turned away from the Lord, the, the, the immorality of another form of worship is pervading the land. The people's hearts are no longer obeying uh, the things of God. Politically, the nation is in turmoil and uproar. God is saying, I'm going to judge the land. And not in a way that you might have expected. But he is able to say, I recognize the authority of God's word and therefore his purposes are steadfast. His plans are secure and God's promises are certain. But but Isaiah is able to rejoice and sorry, Habakkuk is able to rejoice in the Lord also, not just because he's he's recognized the authority of God's word, but because he has Understood and is clinging to the adequacy of God's character. Because God has spoken, Habakkuk sees that God is everything that he needs. Now, as I said, this is easily uh, said when all is going well, but it's another thing when the outlook is bleak. It's easy to be in great spiritual form isn't it when when life is plain sailing when when our health is good when our family are doing well when our uh, job is secure when finances are not challenged when uh, the the political landscape around us is settled Uh, it's easy to to rejoice in the Lord on those occasions it's not so easy to rejoice in the Lord when we suddenly learn we're going to be made redundant in a week or two's time or when the doctor tells us that we've got a, a medical condition that, that is alarming or, or when our family come and tell us that there's, there's problems problems with, with, with health or problems with, with, with uh, the, the, the family relationships or, or whatever it may be once things start to fall into turmoil then we start to find it more difficult to look to the Lord and rejoice in the Lord but Habakkuk's recognised that the, the the adequacy of God's character. So he says, he sees that God is the secret of rest. He says in verse 16, uh, When I heard, my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. I listened to what God was saying. I heard what God was saying. What God said struck and lodged in my heart. And I took it to heart. Why? That I might rest in the day of trouble when he comes up to the people. Is the secret of rest. Habakkuk is acknowledging the authority of God. That, that God knows what he is doing. He is surrendering to the purposes of God. You know, sometimes when we are going through the difficult times, when the unexpected and the unpleasant touches our lives, sometimes the thing that brings us through to the place of knowing peace and rest in all of that is when we recognize that, that God is God. That God is in control. 
that God is working out his purposes and we surrender to what those purposes are. When uh, Linda and I were um, really newly married, three or four years married, we, we had our first son, Timothy. And, and uh, when he was two and a half years of age, Timothy was diagnosed with cancer. Now that was a devastating uh, blow to us. The news was, was shocking. And you reel from that. And you begin to ask, why Lord? What are you doing Lord? But there came a point where we were able to get alone with the Lord. And say, Lord we don't understand why this needs to be. We don't like what is happening to us. But Lord we bow to your purposes. We bow to your uh, plan in all of this. And we ask you Lord... Give us your grace, give us your peace, and have your way in all of this. Lord, if you, if you will, please touch Timothy and heal him. And for a while it appeared that that's what the Lord was doing. But, but it isn't what happened. Uh, after having uh, treatment for several months, the, the news from the various hospitals that we were attending was that the treatment was going well. The cancer itself had been dealt with, the original tumor, the seven places where it had spread as secondaries had disappeared altogether. And uh, surgery now would, would deal with the original um, site of, of the cancer and, uh, and then they, they hoped it would be a a process of, of improvement and recovery from that point onwards. So Timothy went into Great Ormond Street Hospital for surgery. The surgery went well. The surgeon came to us said, we do this operation once a week. And I've uh, never seen a child recover so amazingly from, from this surgery. Um, and and, that, and that, that was tremendous news. But a week or ten, ten days after the surgery, uh, things took a different turn. And the uh, doctors were doing their rounds on, on the hospital ward and, and came to us and said, we're not comfortable, don't think Timothy's doing quite so well now. And they went off to a side room to consult together while I was there. Linda had gone out for a walk. She'd been in the hospital for, for um, a week without a break. So she'd gone out for a walk at that point and, uh, and I was there. And while Linda was away and the doctors were consulting, uh, Timothy uh, took a, a serious turn for the worst. His heart collapsed and although they tried for the rest of the day to, uh, to, to resuscitate him, um, they came to us eventually and said, we can't guarantee that even if Timothy survives that he will, um, that we, he will not have suffered uh, serious brain damage, his heart was stopped for quite a few minutes. So we may be coming to in a few days' time or a few weeks' time and say, do we turn this machine off, the life support machine? And we, we were there in that little hospital uh, anteroom at that time while they were doing everything they could for Timothy. And we simply poured out our hearts to the Lord and said, Lord, you know what you're doing here. If you want to give Timothy back to us, give him back. Give him back clearly and definitely. If you want to take Timothy home at this time, then Lord, do it clearly and definitely. We want your will, but please don't leave us in a position where we have to make a decision in two or three days' time. Do we turn this machine off or do we keep it on? 
Well, within a few minutes of praying that prayer, they came and, and said, Timothy's slipping away. And, and, uh, and we held him as he, as he passed away. Now, that's not a situation you would invite upon yourselves. Even now, I would go back and if it could be relived a different way, of course we would do that. But in the midst of that, God was our adequacy, the secret of our rest, the source of our peace. And while all of that was going on, we were aware that our hands were in, our lives were in God's hands. And Timothy's life was in God's hands. And although that is an exceptionally painful thing to look back at, it's also an exceptionally precious thing because God was there. God was in the midst of all of that. God was undertaking for us and God was outworking his purposes and I have absolutely no doubt about that. So what is, what, what is Habakkuk saying? God is the secret of our rest, that I may rest in the day of trouble. He's saying that, that he is the source of our joy. And so he says in verse 18, this very familiar verse, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. So it is easy to say I will rejoice uh, in the Lord when everything is going well. It's a different thing to say I will rejoice in the Lord when it is not going as we think we would like it to do. So Habakkuk saying I will rejoice in the Lord even though God has foretold of this invasion that is going to devastate the land of Israel. I will rejoice in the Lord even though it brings great hardship when this invasion comes. Even though there are no figs, verse 17 says. The, the, the figs are fundamental to the diet of the eastern people. Even though there is no fruit essential for their economy. Even though there are no olives. A necessity for everyday life. For their baking, for their lamps, for all, all kinds of other things. No crops in the, in the field. Uh, so there will be famine. No food to eat. No sheep in the stall. No, no meat to eat. No uh, wool for their clothes. No... Uh, uh, no herd in the stall, no milk uh, to drink, uh, no uh, milk to bake with, no, no, none of these fundamentals, basic fundamentals of life. And yet Habakkuk says, even though all of this is happening as a result of what God is doing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. All the basics of everyday life vanished, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Not because of deprivation, I won't rejoice in the deprivation, but I will rejoice despite the deprivation because God is still God. I'll rejoice in his sovereignty. God is in control. I will rejoice in his sufficiency. He is all that I need and he's promised to supply all of my need. Not my wants, but my needs. God uh, I will rejoice in God's purpose. He has a reason for allowing these things to touch my life. What Habakkuk is saying. He's working out his purpose. 
It's similar to, to Psalm 46. We have part of it on the wall behind me. Therefore, uh, verse 2 says, Therefore we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge, our strength, our very present help in time of trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and the waters thereof roar. Even though everything fundamental and foundational uh, that we take for granted in life seems to be torn up and thrown into confusion, yet... He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. You see, joy is found not in uh, possessions, but in being possessed by God. So he sees that uh, God is the source of strength, uh, the source of joy and the supply. Sorry, the source of um, forgotten my own notes here now the secret of rest the source of joy and the supplier of our strength he says verse 19 the Lord is my strength he that is our God of salvation will also be our God of strength strength to bear the trial trial is not easy to go through We don't invite trial upon our lives. But he is the strength that enables us to bear the trial. And he is strength to triumph even in the midst of conflict. He says in verse 19, he will make my feet like deer's feet. This this speaks of strength to overcome the enemy. David's warriors, we are told, were swift as rose upon the mountain to pursue... Uh, or to escape from the foe. Now, in Ephesians we are told that we are to put on the whole armour of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. We are to stand against the wiles of the evil one. We are to stand up and be counted in the midst of, uh, of uh, a society that does not acknowledge God. And there are times we need to to stand. And God is our strength to enable us to stand. To stand in the midst of of the challenges against the Christian life. To stand in the midst of the trials of everyday life. And the the troubles that come upon us. Just because we are uh, living in this world. But there's also times when we need to be swift to run. Uh, And Joseph is is a prime example of that. Instead uh, of standing up and trying to face the the temptation that was uh, being, uh, he was being allured with by Potiphar's wife, he took to his heels and he ran. And there's times it's right to run. But he is our strength to stand up and be counted for him when it's appropriate. And to take to our heels and flee when that is the necessary thing to do. He brings me to the place therefore of victory and security is what Habakkuk is saying. Um, So he's embracing the assuredness of God's purpose. He's uh, embraced and clings to the authority of God's word. He's recognized the adequacy of God's character. And briefly as we finish, he is embracing, he's clinging to the assuredness of God's purpose. Why can Habakkuk rejoice amidst all these difficulties? Because he's heard God speaking to him. 
Because understood the purpose of God and accepted that God is in control. He's accepted that God has a plan and is yielded to that plan. He has melted in the presence of God. I heard your voice and I, I trembled. And he has embraced the sufficiency of God. He says, God is everything I need. So now he requests, O oh Lord, Revive your work. That's what he started off with in chapter 3 and verse 2. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Make known. But says, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Lord, if you must use this wicked nation, the Chaldeans, to awaken your people to their need, then, Lord, in the midst of your wrath, remember mercy. Only what is necessary, no more, but visit us, Lord, with revival. He, he reminds himself of, of um, the fact that God uh, speaks of um, God's work in the past in every era of Jewish history. Uh, when, when you look through chapter 3 and verses 3 to 15, we didn't read, but he's speaking how God was there, how God led, guided, kept, provided, undertook for his people in every era of their past history. And he, he's really saying if, if, if God was at work for his people then in the past, then he will not fail us now. And God's the same today as yesterday. He is our great unchanging friend. He rejoices. He began in despair in chapter 1. He, he heard the word of God in chapter 2. And he now rests in, in God himself in chapter 3. Sidlo Baxter was a, a pastor of Charlotte Baptist Chapel in Edinburgh um, early uh, last century. Uh, and then later he was uh, pastor of Bethesda Free Church in Sunderland. But he said of verse 18, uh, verse 18 is, Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will join the God of my salvation. He said the literal is, the literal rending, rendering from the original is, I will jump for joy in the Lord. I will spin around for delight in God. And then Slow Baxter said, here is the hilarity of faith. Joy at its best with circumstances at their worst. What a victory. He said, may it be ours. So Habakkuk means to embrace or to cling to. He has learned to cling to God alone and embrace the will of God, the purpose of God and the sufficiency of God no matter what that means for him. You and I are living in uncertain days. Maybe some of you are living in uncertain days in relation to your own um, circumstances in life. We're living in uncertain days in relation to political things affecting our nation. Who knows what the next year or two is going to bring. But God is still God. God is still in control. God is still working out his purposes. God can still be trusted. May God help us be like Habakkuk. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Whatever the Lord allows to come our way. 
Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the, uh, the, the word of God that is so precious to us and so meaningful. And we thank you that it applies to our situation today. You know those, Lord, who are going through difficult times in, in their own personal lives. Just because of, uh, of personal things that are happening. And we pray, Lord, that, that you will enable them to recognize that God is still in control. <laughs> That your word is still relevant to them today. That they can rest in you and Lord that they can rejoice in uh, you. Even in the midst of difficulty and challenge. Lord as we look at our nation we desperately need a move of God upon our land. And like Habakkuk we cry how long? We cry oh Lord uh, revive us again. But yet in wrath remember mercy. Uh, And Lord turn us again and we will be turned. Lord, help us to be those who rejoice in the fact that God is God and can be trusted. And so thank you for being with us today. Apply your word to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.